listening to the Seven Rivers Student Ministry Podcast, a ministry of Seven Rivers Church in Citrus County, Florida. Here at SRSM, we believe that all students are lovable through a relationship with Jesus. Visit our website at sevenrivers.org backslash students. No one else got anything for Christmas? I got golf clubs. Golf clubs. He's trying to go golfing with my kids. Is this one on? Can I hear this one? Hey, Austin. This is one good. Hello, hello. Okay, guys. No one else got, okay, golf clubs? Anyone else? Custom Bengals Air Force Ones. Oh. Bengals Air Force Ones. Anyone else? Anything cool? No? I got socks. You got socks. I think I did too. The best gift um, was money. You know, I've asked for money my whole life and my mom finally gave it to me. She's always, does your mom like, you have to like open something? Like she won't just give you money. She's like, you have to open something. I'm like, no, I don't. Just please give me the money. I gotta buy gas. You know, I gotta buy food, all that stuff. Um, But great, I'm glad y'all had a good Christmas. How do y'all feel at Student Life's back? We're feeling good? Hunter is excited? He's here? Love it. Well, we're excited you are here. Um, and get started. So, uh, we're talking about Titus this month. I'll go into it a little bit. Um, it's kind of a book you don't really hear about. But, um, main thing, we today, actually, we have a staff meeting, like, once a month on Wednesdays, and they, like, take over our whole day. Um, it's great. It's like everybody, Ray talks the whole time, like more than he does in church, you know, so it's, it's a pretty long time, um, but it's a lot of fun. But today in our staff meeting, we talked about what would capture the heart of y'all's generation to the gospel. That wasn't exactly what we talked about. It just kind of came up. Um, and a lot of that conversation was confronting the question, who does have a place in the church? Okay, so who actually belongs in the church? It's a simple question to think about that all of us have been... Like, we all have varying viewpoints on that. You all have different people. You're like, I don't know if they would come, but I expect this person to be there. Um, But I think it's, like, really important to consider this question as y'all are making your own faith um, separate from your parents, right? Understanding who do we actually think belongs here. And in my pride, there are times I look around the room and I think this person clearly doesn't belong here, um, there. You know, there's times even tonight I was like, why is this um, he doesn't belong. You know, I, I have those thoughts, and I think we all have these thoughts. Um, this person isn't good enough to be in this room, right? Maybe you felt like you're that person, that everyone notices you for being the odd one out, for being the bigger problem, the bigger sinner. We all feel the tug of being enough and being wanted. We all want to belong to something. So we need to think about it, right? Who has a place in the church? Who does Jesus invite into his family? 
So the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at Titus. It's a pretty short book in the New Testament. I always have to flip to the front of my Bible and like figure out what page number it's on because I can never remember. Um, and it's honestly a book I never really heard about until we kind of like were trying to think of books to go through. Um, and then we learned about it, and I was like, yeah, let's do it. Um, and the main idea of this book is calling the people to live a life set apart, different, holy. That's what holy means. A life of kindness and generosity to point to how the gospel has changed their lives. And through this way of living, so through living holy lives, people um, around them would see what human flourishing was originally designed for and how that would work, um, all under the grace and obedience of God. And so this is my, I'm going to do some context of the book because we're kind of introducing it um, and then we'll flesh out um, over the next few weeks. Um, But a little context, the key players here in the book are Paul, Titus, and the Cretans. If you want to follow along with me, there's Bibles all over the place. You can grab one. Um, But those are the three main groups we're going to look at today, Paul, Titus, and the Cretans. Um, Paul is an apostle of God, right? He wrote majority of the New Testament. Um, He's writing to his brother in the faith, Titus. So he's writing a letter to him. It's not a love letter. Um, He loves him like a brother, though. Um, And Titus has been a faithful follower and co-worker in expanding the gospel throughout the area, and that's including Crete, uh, which is where he's at right now. Have you all ever heard of Crete? you know where that is? It's like in Greece. It's really nice there if you look look it up at all the oceans. I want to be there one day. Um, But... He's meeting with the churches that are already established there, and Paul is, like, giving him instruction on how to actually eliminate false teaching and, like, organize the church more healthy. Um, So we'll kind of look at that over the next few weeks. But uh, we have Paul, and we have Titus, and then we have the people of Crete. Um, And to understand who the Cretans are, Paul quotes uh, one of their prophets in chapter 1, verse 12. Um, So if you're looking for Titus, I know you got to look at the front, but it's... Like, it's right before Hebrews. That's what I realized. It's right before Hebrews. Um, Yeah, in verse 12 of chapter 1, he says that Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. Like, dang. And that's not even Paul's words. He's just quoting someone who's actually a Cretan. Like, that's what he's talking about, his own people. Um, So the Cretans were known as being completely immoral people. And what's going on in this letter is that there's a group of people that are, like, presumed to be Jewish um, leaders in the church that are actually being false teachers. I mean, it doesn't say what they're falsely teaching, but this teaching is turning families away from God. So it's like if y'all came to Seven Rivers one morning and Ray said something whack and you were like, we got to go. Like, get the kids. We got to get out of here. Like, that's what was going on. Whole families were turning away. I mean, it says they profess to know God, but deny him by their works. So they're like church hypocrites running the place. Have y'all ever felt that, like, when you enter a church, you're like, dang, these are just a bunch of hypocrites. Like, what are they talking about? Um, It says they're liars, just like all Cretans are. Okay, but Paul starts this letter to Titus, and he's very intentional in what he says. So I'm going to read chapter 1, 1 through 4. So this is just the, like, opening introduction to our guide Titus. It says, Paul, I, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, a faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. And at this appointed season, he brought the word to light 
through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Savior, to Titus, my true son, in our common faith, grace and peace from God, the Father, and Christ Jesus, our Savior. So this is um, Paul just writing Titus, opening up, um, just greeting him, right? It's like you're like, hey, buddy, what's up on the phone? But it's really a lot nicer than we do to our friends. Um, but his purpose for writing this letter is that the elect, so that's what we read, the elect, the ones that God has chosen to be in his family, would know the truth. Um, that they would believe in and trust God, who has promised to never lie. I know a lot of liars. Do y'all know a lot of liars? Yes, everyone I know is a liar. Um, but God promises that he's not. Um, it goes against his character. Um, he could not be a good God if he was a liar, if he lied to you. And Paul is calling Titus to help the people believe in God in truth. And the big reason why is that people in Crete, especially the Christians, have been getting some mixed messages, okay? They believe some whack stuff. Um, they, they believe in Greek mythology. Are any of y'all, like, into Greek mythology? Yeah? Um, but it's not like Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. I know. That's what I was like. Oh, this is lit. Nah, that's not it. Um, it's just like an idea of it, an adaptation of it. Um, but Cretans actually believe that Greek gods were men and women elevated to a god status because of how awesome they were, because of what they had to offer, their excellent works, um, their gifts to mankind, right? They were men or women, and they became god figures. They believed that majority of these gods were actually born on their island, um, so they're like, yeah, these are home, home team advantage, right? These are our people, and this includes Zeus, so they believe Zeus... Uh, was born on their island, the big man with all the lightning bolts. Um, to them, Crete was the central place of worship for the gods. Um, these people were so good that they gained god status. That's who these people are. A man turned god. And the mythology was so like ingrained into the culture that when Christianity came around, when Jesus entered the scene and these churches started coming up, they associated Christian god with these other gods, right? These... Um, men that became God, they associated, they were like, oh, he's got to be the same powerful, you know, the same person. Mainly Zeus, okay? So I'm going to talk a little bit about Zeus. Um, Zeus was not it. Okay, guys, you, you're not trying to be friends with Zeus. They worshiped this man, become God, that was known for being a liar and a womanizer, right? He was good with the ladies. Um, he was known to take advantage of people, advantage of the truth, and this theology was getting, like, wrapped up in what the gospel was. So people were believing that God, our God, is like taking advantage of people. He's a liar. He disrespects women. Like this is what they were kind of getting twisted. Um, and aware of what's going on, Paul writes to Titus to like refute that idea um, that Christian God, like our God, was like Zeus or like any other lowercase g God, right? God's unlike anyone else. And he wanted to make it really clear that he's totally different from Zeus. Um, and we saw in verse 2, if y'all look at verse 2, that God is the God that never lies, right? It's against who he is. I said that. And a true God has to be a God that doesn't lie. We, there's no reason to respect a God that would lie to us. And Zeus may be a liar, but God cannot and will not um, because it's against his nature. Um, and unlike Zeus, God can be trusted um, to carry out the plan he has for us um, if he is worthy of your trust, Right? That's something you have to believe in for yourself. I can't tell you. Like, I can tell you every time, believe God is true. You know, like, this is true. This is something you have to wrestle with. Um, but I believe fully that God um, is true and who he says he is. 
And God is also completely different from Zeus because Zeus was a man that became a god. And God is the all-powerful God, right, that became man in the form of Jesus. He went from God to man. So Titus is sent on a mission to proclaim the true gospel to the people of Crete, um, to reestablish the churches with leaders that are rejecting the gospel of the culture, um, to embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ, to preach the good news of Jesus. That's what we're going to be talking about the next few weeks, um, and that's what the book's about. And aren't each one of us a preacher? Like, preaching some kind of gospel to ourselves. Right? We're all telling ourselves what we should put our hope in. And the gospel of our present culture, so where we're at now, is a lot like the Cretans. Not to, you know, people aren't believing in mythology as much. Um, but don't so many of us believe that if we're just good enough that we could be untouchable? Like, our whole culture is about this idea of self-empowerment and promoting the self lifting yourself up high so that you can be more secure, always being better than the person next to you. We think we belong on our own, right? We think we know the truth, that our truth is ultimate. We think, who has a place in the church, right? Surely it's me, like I belong in the church. I'm the one who knows the truth, that I should just be in charge, right? Have you ever had these thoughts that I know it all, that I'm like Zeus deep down in my heart? Good enough to be a God. And isn't that where sin started with Adam and Eve? They wanted to be like God, right? Man turned God. That's what they wanted. And where has this gotten the Cretans? Where has it gotten us? We live in immorality. We see it all the time around us. Um, even where I am from in Memphis, I was home. It's been crazy. It's been crazy um, where I'm from. And it's just seeing the brokenness of our world um, is really sad. And it's broken and it's hurting. And we need a different solution because this one's not working. And the good news of the gospel of Jesus is that he turns our entire culture on its head. Right? He is God that came down in flesh. He became man that we might know him. Right? That he would come and understand us and humble himself to the point of death that we might be able to enjoy his presence forever. And if we look back in this in Titus in chapter 3, um, this is what Paul writes to him, 3, 4 through 7. It says, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. So if this is true, what I just read, if God makes dead people alive by just his goodness and waiting for us to share in the riches of this goodness, right? That's what it's saying. Who has a place in the church, right? Who does Jesus invite into the family? If God makes dead people alive, what did they do to deserve that? Nothing, right? It's not about what we do at all, but that God picked us up from the bottom of the pit and raised us to life in Christ. See, the gospel is for all peoples. That God's heartbeat throughout scripture, that's what it is. We see that all through scripture is that he's using other people to try to get everybody on board, right, on the same team. We constantly see him drawing all people to himself. He came to heal the sick, right, that's what we talk about. That's what the church is about, providing a place for spiritual renewal and growth and community in a group of people just as sick as you, right? We were all dead in our sin, but God made us alive in Christ. 
Even Paul is a testament to this, right? He was a killer of Christians. He murdered so many Christians before he was converted. He was hated and feared among them. He is part of the family, right? He belongs in the church. Even a Cretan does. Lying, evil, gluttonous beast. Even me, a sinner in desperate need of Jesus to continue to make me like him. Even you, in the face of your deepest shame, right? In the face of your ugliest sin that you never want to show anyone, um, Christ invites you into the family. And in the end, we know that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he's God, that he is the truth, right? We can find truth in him. He's exactly who he said he is. Will you accept that? Will you believe that? The gospel of culture says to make yourself more valuable, right? To lift yourself up will bring you closer to success. The gospel of Jesus says to recognize your lowliness, right? To recognize your need for a savior will make you high and lifted up an heir to eternal life in Christ, just realizing how good he is and that he's extending himself to you. In the face of a perfect God, an unlying God, that's what it said in our passage, none of us deserve to be here. But because Christ clothed himself in my sin and clothed me in his perfect righteousness, I have a place in the family. And if he gives us life based just off what he did, how can this be taken away from us? Right? If it was a free gift just given to us, and once we are his, it's sealed forever, he is offering this to you as well. Right, This um, sealed assurance um, that it's going to be okay, that you're going to be with him, um, that he's made you righteous, he's offering this to you. Um, will you accept the invitation into Christ's family? Okay. I'm going to cry. I'm going to go into small groups. Guys, this is the most time we've ever had in small groups. I knew it was going to happen. Okay, Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much uh, for who you are. I thank you um, just for this story and that we can um, look to you for our hope and um, that we don't have to strive to be the best versions of ourselves uh, for you to accept us, but um, that you accept us freely and um, even in spite of how bad we are. Um, Lord, we thank you so much. And it's your son's name I pray, amen. Okay, y'all know where you're going? Yeah. Ask AJ. AJ, can you have a phone lock on the classroom? No.